0: Welcome to the Exec MBA Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to share my recent conversation with Amy Egele. Amy is a first year student in our Executive MBA Class of 2023, and she and I recently connected via Zoom to talk more about her MBA journey. Amy is also the newly elected Vice President for Careers for the Executive Student Association. We took some time to talk about what attracted her to this role, her plans for the upcoming year, why she's excited about having impact on the career support experience for her classmates and other Executive MBA students. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Without further ado, here is my interview with Amy Egley. Amy, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Brett. Thanks for asking me. Well,
0: it's great to have you here on the show. Gosh, it seems like just yesterday uh, we were doing your business school interview, and here you are now on the podcast.
1: Amazing. Time flies, doesn't it?
0: (laughs) Totally. And you and your classmates are recording this in a beautiful April afternoon uh, here, Washington, D.C. metro area. Um, You're in quarter four. You just had a weekend residency. How does it feel uh, to be in quarter four of a 10 quarter program? You're almost at the midway point.
1: I know. Well, at first I thought, oh, gosh, this is really going slow and in quarter three, we had finance and accounting, which were pretty challenging. And, uh, I, you know, you have visions of, wow, this is going to be a long, long journey. But this quarter has been a lot more fun and I've enjoyed project management and operations. Um, so now I'm thinking, wow, it's almost halfway through and class of 2022 is starting to prepare for graduation. And they're saying how fast it's been for them and how they're, you know, sad to see it almost over. So It won't be long before we're also there. Um, So I'm kind of just keeping my eyes open for what's coming ahead, but also looking back and thinking, well, we've actually gotten through quite a lot.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about the classes you're taking. So quarter four for your class has been global economies and markets, operations, and then you had an elective to choose from. And there's a few different courses that were offered, defining moments, transforming societies, and then also the project management class, uh, the project management class taught by Yael, our fearless leader.
1: Yes, I was so excited to find that she was teaching that class. And for me, project management was an area that I do a lot of execution of project management, but I am not as strong at the planning of projects. So I really wanted to learn that. And of course, Yael is great. She's just so energetic in classes and I really appreciated the opportunity to have her as a professor
0: yeah how has that class been because i know it I, i've interviewed a bunch of people for our full-time mba podcast experience darden who took that class with her and interestingly enough a couple of them ended up launching their own podcast uh, was one of their deliverables i think for a project that they were working on in project management uh, was called third coffee it's out there i don't, wherever you might look for podcasts um but uh, I've heard about it by reputation from full-time MBA students I have heard uh, about the executive MBA experience. Uh, how's the class been?
1: It's been great. Uh, you know, we really approached it from several different perspectives in the cases. And I was able to apply my individual project to my job. So it was nice to be able to take the um, the concepts from the class and just go ahead and start working on a project that I can just take take all the way into work and see it all the way through. So um, for me, that was exciting.
0: Well, let's go back in your story a little bit. Um, Tell us a little bit more about you, uh, your background and uh, what, what you did before starting here at DART.
1: Well, I'm a defense contractor for a small engineering support company in Southern Maryland, the Pax River area where the Navy does all of its aircraft acquisition programs. So I support a major Navy aircraft program as a system integrator. And then for my company, um, I'm the director of systems engineering, where I'm in charge of all of the portfolio of contracts that we have under that uh, area. I was a Naval Academy grad, so we have lots of those here at Darden and um, a Naval flight officer on the P-3 uh, anti-submarine aircraft. I did nine years of active duty and then 18 years of reserve. So I never had an opportunity to do an an MBA or do any kind of grad school. So, um, anyway, I've spent kind of two careers, but almost entirely on the military side. That's where I come from.
0: And how did you decide that you wanted to pursue an MBA? So you mentioned having this background in the military, uh, served, both active duty and, and reserves, and now working in defense contracting, when did an MBA become part of your interests?
1: So I always felt like I my world was very small. Um, even though I've been all over the world with the military, it's been very, very restricted to the military and uh, the perspective seemed a little bit small. Uh, My friend Skip Arney was in class of 2021 and he started talking about how much he was enjoying Darden and his brother had also is also an alumni. And I started thinking about it and thinking, well, if I want to grow my perspective and learn more about the world around me, the business world, um, or even how to approach my job differently, maybe an MBA is a way to do it. And after hearing Skip talking about Darden, I thought, well, maybe Darden is the place for me.
0: Well, Matt, Skip's brother, has been on the podcast recently and uh-huh. talked about his story. It was so much fun to catch up with him. Um, he has lots of great stories from when he was at Darden and Skip came. And uh, the, think about sort of the influence uh, that, that these folks have had, not only on each other, but also part of your NBA uh, journey. It's so fascinating to me. That so many of our current students, the spark for them was maybe knowing someone who did the program or running into a colleague at work who was like, hey, you know what I'm doing? I'm here. I'm, I'm at Darden right now doing this executive MBA program. And it's been great. Um, I think it's, it's fascinating. It's not a huge program. It's 135 students or so per matriculated class. So the, I mean, it's amazing to me how all that works.
1: Yeah, I think when you, um, you know, you get very busy with your own life and you don't, Really look beyond that sometimes, but if somebody sort of puts that bug in your ear and you start to think about what might be possible, you realize that that you could maybe do a program like this. I was a little worried about it just because I am a full time employee and I, you know, my job is pretty demanding. Um, I had never had the opportunity to do something like this before because I was doing a, a full time job and I was doing the reserves, and so. Once I retired from the reserves, I actually had a little bit of time uh, to, to spend really committing myself to, to Darden.
0: Was that what kind of pushed you to say, this is the right time? When you think about timing for these things, sometimes there's windows of opportunities for candidates, or sometimes they just find themselves in the one time in their life that they finally had space for something like this.
1: For me, it was that one time in my life. I, my kids are in college. Uh, I don't have two jobs, so to speak, I have one job and, um, you know, I just had the opportunity and time to do it for once and I'm not getting any younger, so I probably wouldn't have waited much longer to do a program like this.
0: So what about Darden appealed to you? I know having that personal recommendation from Skiff undoubtedly had an impact, but you know, for you to take the step and matriculate, I'm, I'm guessing that there are aspects of the experience that resonated with you personally.
1: So I was, I was attracted to the location. Um, I mean, Charlottesville isn't too far from me, but Rosalind is even closer. i love I love d c. Um I also really thought the case study method was for me. I enjoy that approach to learning. Um, and then when I started looking into it and attending some of the the um, admissions um, focus groups and the the things you have to offer for students that might be interested. I was really impressed by the personal approach to the program and the focus on relationships that Darden has for its students. I mean, I, I just, that drew me in. I didn't even really apply to any other schools once I saw what Darden was about.
0: So you come to Darden, it's been a little while since you were last in an educational environment, I'm guessing, Amy?
1: Oh, yes. (laughs) Just a little.
0: Well, that's, I mean, that's the journey for so many of our executive MBA students. And I think it's probably one of those things that might make them feel a little bit nervous about approaching the experience. Uh, How did you feel in the summer leading up to to your first year?
1: So you mean before we started? Uh, I was nervous. I think everybody is nervous. I mean, you're about to... Uh, embark on a pretty lengthy journey, uh, you know that it's going to be difficult and it's going to take a lot of time. So I was nervous and I, I did some of the pre-matriculation work, uh, but uh, I also took some time to just uh, enjoy time with my family before we started too. So
0: I think that's invariably part of the journey, uh, you know, having a, you know, a little bit of nerves, It's it's fair to expect that. Um, and we try to have some resources for students to help, you know, brush up if you'd like to. Uh, typically, we'll open up some accounting MOOCs. There's a Darden uh, product called Be Ready that one of our faculty members, Mark Lipson, has developed. Every year, we kind of think about different kinds of pre matriculation programming. We've done virtual sessions. We're even starting to talk this year about uh, possibly having some live sessions in Roslyn. So we'll see if we're able to execute upon that. But You know, we know that for many of our students, it's been a while since they were in school and, you know, probably knocking off some of that rust and getting back into school mode is going to be one of the learning curves. And of course, you know, time management, thinking about how do you fit this into your life? Did you have conversations with folks at home, at work as you approached starting the the executive MBA program?
1: I did, but uh, for me, um, so my husband's schedule is pretty flexible. I knew that I would have every evening available to me for the most part. And then most weekends, um, you know, we have a flexible schedule, so it wasn't like I had small children at home. Uh, I, you know, that's obviously doable too, but, um, for me, most of my work is schoolwork is done at night and on the weekends. And I knew that going in.
0: Yeah. So to your point, maybe this was, this was the ideal time for, for you to take this on. So you, you come to Darden, you're, you're back in school. And uh, you're in quarter one, quarter two. Were there any adjustments? Were there any learning curves for you?
1: I think just uh, remembering how to study, really where to focus, what you needed to read, what was important, maybe what was not as important. But also the learning team and depending on your learning team to uh, get through the items that maybe you don't understand as well. Or if you didn't have time to to really prepare as much as you wanted to, leaning on each other to make sure everybody's up to speed. uh, We can talk more about learning teams, but that has been probably the most fantastic part of this program. Um, And so that that was really, I think I typically, when I went through college, did a lot of my own studying. Um, So I've enjoyed studying with others as well through that learning team.
0: Well, let's talk about the learning team because I think when people are contemplating going back to school, particularly as busy working professionals, right? They're the kind of people thinking about the executive MBA program programs like this one. they got a lot on their plate and wondering how they can do this. Uh, to me, the learning team is, uh, is a real resource for students as they as they navigate the core curriculum.
1: It is. I don't know how you guys do it at Darden. There must be some special sauce secret sauce that you use to put the learning teams together, but you matched our learning team together perfectly. And I've heard that from other teams as well. Um, And, you know, and not that we're all the same either. We're very different people, but we, we are able to communicate and do things in a way that we're all happy with. And um, we can support each other in the areas that maybe, you know, one may be very strong in accounting. The other may not be as strong there, but maybe more strong in leadership. So Um, We really enjoy getting to know each other and working together. So the learning teams, um, what a great idea. That's been, I think, really successful for Darden.
0: It is one of the steps in the four-step learning approach at Darden, individual preparation and group preparation, working with your learning team. Uh, Laura Bordoni and I work on the teams together. I, I would love to say, Amy, that we get it right all the time. Unfortunately, we, we don't have a 100% track record, but every year we try to get a little bit better. So the previous class experience, just the feedback we got from students, taking that into account, thinking about how we put the teams together. There are a lot of things that are on our minds uh, for people who are just learning about the learning team. We try to have first and foremost diversity of academic background. So in business school parlance, we try to have some poets, some quants, Uh, people that are more comfortable with the math end of things, just to give students an initial touch point as they navigate the the academic aspects of of the core curriculum. But then also we try to have different industry backgrounds so people are bringing different perspectives to those small group conversations. We're also thinking about demographic uh, background, so race, ethnicity, thinking about gender, just thinking about where people live in the world. If we have students who travel for the program, so roughly about two-thirds of our executive MBA students are within about sixty miles or less of the Washington D.C. metro area, but another third could live anywhere from California to New York, all over the place. And so we try to make sure that we don't just put one traveler on the team. Uh, we have at least students, two students who would be traveling in for the program, um, on on that team. And we've come up with all these different kind of variables that we're weighing as we're putting these teams together. And there's typically a few different drafts of of the teams. Um, we spend I would say longer than people might expect uh, putting these teams together, kind of looking at it. uh, And it's always fun. I think we do our best. We give it our best shot. And one of the things that's important for people to know in the executive MBA program is, you know, we're typically pretty flexible with how students choose to work with their team. So some teams like Amy's team hit it off and, you know, keep working together through the entire core. And then other teams find for whatever reason they didn't quite click. And maybe those students will join another team or break off and, and and do something a bit different. That's okay too. Um, we know that students have a lot on their plate, but you should not be doing this program alone. Uh, that it's too much to do. You got too much on on your plate. Too much uh, too much competing for your time. Would would you would you agree with that, Amy?
1: I would definitely agree with that. And even if you could do it sometimes on your own, there are going to be times where your job or your life just takes over and becomes the priority and you you just don't quite have enough minutes in the day to get something done. And and, uh, so in our learning team, we split things up. And even though, you know, you do approach and prepare for every piece of the um, or every class, uh, somebody has taken the time to really dig into it and get all of the details. So if you miss something, you can go back and take a look.
0: Can we talk a little bit more about how your team works together? Because in my experience, every team functions a bit differently in terms of how they manage the work and and the team dynamic and how they meet. So can you tell us a little bit more about when you meet and how you manage the workload?
1: Sure. I mean, we actually don't meet that much. Some teams meet weekly. You know, they have sort of a standard meeting day. We do meet um, before classes if we need to, to kind of go through something where we might need to uh, get a little bit extra help from someone that's better at that part. But typically we we only meet maybe one day before the OGR. What we do though, is we split up all of the classes and everybody takes like, so if you have, there are four of us, they've got eight classes in an OGR. We split them up and um, everybody takes two And then you really get into the details, prepare any Excel spreadsheets that are needed for that. If uh, you don't quite understand, you can call the quant person, you know, get a little bit of help and see how they did it. Um, And everybody completes that to the the greatest level of detail, completes their area, and then posts it um, onto our SharePoint site. And then everyone that has gone through and maybe taken notes from the the class as well can add on their comments or if they did the excel spreadsheet they'll also post theirs so we can compare notes and compare results of that work um, so it's um, very collaborative um but we don't spend a lot of time on the phone with each other uh like some groups to do we also every ogr at least go to dinner one night of the weekend um, And we are constantly texting each other on our, on our chat group.
0: So for our listeners, OGR is on grounds residency. It's just another way of describing the weekend's weekend residencies in the program. And Amy, it's really interesting to hear how your, your team works. So I'm going to try to break down a little bit of what you just shared. So for our listeners who just try to wrap their heads around the schedule For for executive MBA students, you typically will have online class a couple nights uh, per week in the core curriculum. That's Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, seven to eight thirty, and then you have these once a month weekend residencies um, and so or on grounds residencies as as they're known in the program is Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and you will typically have about twelve to maybe thirteen class sessions over the course of that weekend residency. So it's about four class sessions on Friday, five class sessions on Saturday or so, and about four class sessions on Sunday. And so Amy, if I was listening to what you were sharing um, and I heard you correctly, so typically on your learning team, um, uh, one of the team members would be responsible for two of those class sessions?
1: Right, well, yes.
0: All right, and you typically do one case per class, generally. Now, there are exceptions to that, but it's typically, you know, roughly one case per per 75, 80-minute class. Right. All right. So, each team member kind of prepping a couple of cases in in this kind of very detailed way that Amy is sharing. But Amy, I'm guessing y'all are all reading all the cases. You're still doing the work, but
1: one person has
0: particular responsibility.
1: That's right. So, everybody is reading all of the cases. And we usually start about a week out. So, if uh, ODRs, if the ground uh, residency starts on Friday, usually I start working on that preparation the Saturday before our residency. And um, so, and it takes that long (laughs) and then some.
0: Well, the nice thing about those weeks leading up to the on-grounds residency is that you you really don't have distance class typically. Uh, It's, you know, the faculty want you to, the program staff want you to be able to focus on getting ready for that weekend because there's going to be a lot that's happening, not just class. I think one of the things that's surprising, Amy, to people as they learn about this program is like I think people really focus on the academic experience and there's a lot of other stuff that comes with you know, being a student here in a very positive way, right? You have Friday Night Live, you have all the social events. Can we talk a little bit more about what the weekend residencies are like in this kind of holistic way?
1: Sure, so Um, You know, aside from the classes, you you have time in between classes to really get to know your classmates on either Friday or Saturday, depending on your class, um, you will have folks come in and do panels about particular careers or industries. Um, We also have social events, so a baseball game, or I think next month, we're going to go do a wine tasting. Uh, And those all are really important not only to get to know your classmates, but also to get to know about the other industries and careers that they're involved in. And it's really easy to get wrapped up in the academics and um, sort of forget that part of it, or say, I just don't have time to go uh, listen to this panel or, uh, you know, but it's really important to remember that you're not just here for the academics, you're here for other reasons too. And uh, I've had to sometimes step back and go, all right, I can read that in a little bit, but I wanna to go to this panel.
0: The thing that I've always heard from alumni is you wanna to try to have all your prep done before the weekend residency. So you can just focus on, you know, class and socializing with your classmates during that weekend.
1: Yeah, it's sometimes hard to do, but uh, I try to get as much done as possible and then lean on my learning team, you know, if I've maybe fallen a little bit short, but uh, I try to at least read or skim through uh, each of the, uh, classes or each of the cases before the class, obviously you really need to do that <laughs> and then make sure that, uh, I also have some time to enjoy myself and spend time with my classmates.
0: Do you feel like the case reading has gotten easier for you or it, you know, comes a little bit more quickly now than it did when you were first starting out in the program?
1: I would say it depends on the case. If it's a case that has a lot of details, uh, and there's a lot there are a lot of tasks or uh, information that you need to put into an Excel spreadsheet, or you need to boil that down into your process. It takes a bit more time. I find that the cases that are but what I would call the softer cases, so your leadership, your communication strategy, those are easier to read. And a lot of times there's stories or there it's a um, tells about another situation where someone dealt with an issue. Um, and they're interesting to read, so you get through them a little bit faster
0: You're right. not all cases are created equal and and some of them are a bit more technical in flavor than others and And I think it's one of the big adjustments for darden students. You're used to you maybe have some homework you come to class for someone to tell you what's important, and all of a sudden, as a Darden student, you're reading a case and it's got technical notes, and you know you're really kind of de- Developing that technical understanding and coming to class to test your understanding um, rather than have a faculty member tell you this is what you need to know. It's a little bit different.
1: It is different. It was a little bit, uh, I found that challenging to get used to. Um, You know, I'd always been in a class where the professor was telling you how to do something in the class and then you did the homework afterwards. And especially in a class like decision analysis where you may be don't have a good idea of what exactly they're looking for and you're trying to figure it out, it you, it's a, it's daunting, <laughs> I'll say that. But what I learned is that you can figure it out. And even if you don't entirely get it, if you at least get part way through um the preparation and you can work through each segment of the concepts, then you can arrive in class and then the professor walks you through what he was expecting, he or she, and then you realize that, oh, okay, I understand. I learned how to do that. And you really are learning it on your own in some ways. So it's just a different way of learning. Um, it's just as effective.
0: Yeah. In some ways, I I think it might make it a little bit stickier for people at times because you're actually having to use, uh, the information and you have that, whether it's struggle or whether it's practice or, you know, just that context of, of getting ready for that class and being there for the discussion and kind of listening to that unfold and testing your ideas of what you did to kind of get ready and how does it compare to what's being discussed? I think that that is a little, well, let's say less passive than sometimes the more didactic approach can be.
1: Yeah. I feel like you don't always have to show up with the right, the, right answer like maybe there's not always a right answer but you came up with an answer and you used the process to get there and that's what's important
0: yeah one of the things i just talked with a student not so long ago on the experience Darden podcast about this is like I I think there's so much well folks from Darden always tell you to trust the process but one of the things that I think can be hard for students to accept but important is to acknowledge like so you didn't know exactly how to do it But you tried to figure it out and you showed up to the meeting, in this case, class with a perspective and an idea of what you would recommend based upon the work that you had done. To me, that feels very real, uh, to like life. Like how, I mean, we're constantly being put in situations where we don't really know everything. We got to go make a recommendation. You got to do your best, figure it out and show up and be able to explain the way that you thought. And you're not the only person, right? There's other people in the room and. Collectively, you can kind of work to a solution, but there's not really the solution typically. Now, some of the more technical classes, there might be a more right answer or something like that. But there's not only one way to kind of get there.
1: Right. That's definitely true. Um, And I think that's an adjustment for everyone.
0: Yeah. I I mean, there's a lot to unpack there like this. (laughs) Like how, how much time do we spend in school where well, we're told like there's a right answer and this is the way you do it. And then all of a sudden you come to Darden and it's it's different than that. Right. It's um you know, that it's a process and how did you arrive there and explain, you know, your reasoning and your rationale and the steps that you took to get there. And, oh, I have a different way of looking at it. You mentioned before that you had really kind of been in this particular world, right. You were in the Navy and reserves and defense contracting. And you felt like, that worldview was, was narrower, has come into the executive MBA program helped you expand your worldview?
1: It has. I, um, I definitely enjoy learning from my classmates about what they do and how they approach their careers and the challenges that they have. Um, sometimes they're similar, sometimes they're very different. Uh, and I enjoy sort of, uh, learning about the different industries through panels, so I do believe my world view is expanding. I have a lot, a lot of time to left, or a lot of time left, so um, I'm going to learn more that I really want to just dig in and engage.
0: So I've been keeping up with the class leadership announcements, and there, this is a time of elections and club leadership transitions. And I noticed that you were recently named VP for careers for the executive student association, our governing group for the executive MBA students of, of the world here, here at Darden. Um, what attracted you to serving?
1: Uh, well, I joined the career team in January. So that's kind of an early group for our class. And what we do is we represent MBA 23, our class in liaising with the Career Development Center. And this was really part of the expansion of my perspective and worldview. I wanted to get to know what was out there really for me and for my classmates and try to expand their perspectives as well. I've actually really enjoyed uh, learning or finding and communicating and networking with others, uh, specifically through LinkedIn, but in other ways too. I found that I enjoy that part of careers in general. And I didn't think I would, I had never really engaged on LinkedIn. I had a LinkedIn profile, but it was pretty minimal. So after PAC, which was in Q1, I really dug into LinkedIn and started to connect with lots of different people Um, and I've also used that to find people for my own company, even though I'm in system engineering, I still need to find people who can work on our contracts. And so I've really used LinkedIn to, to, uh, broaden, uh, my knowledge of who's out there. Um, so the career team was really just an extension of that and, and, uh, growing that network and helping others grow their networks, helping them, um, learn more about their own careers, and maybe if they're looking to switch where they would like to go next in their careers, and then really just helping the Career Development Center understand what the needs are from our class. Brett, what we've found is that in our class, we've had more movement in the first four quarters than I think any EMBA class has ever had before. We have folks every month who come in and say that they've either gotten promoted in their own companies or they're moving to a totally new company. So that was a surprise to me. I thought that uh, an MBA or even an EMBA program, you go through the program and kind of in the last three months you start looking for a job and you get a new job. That's, and that has not been the case for our class. Lots of movement, so.
0: It's interesting to hear about that part of your class, this journey, because we do, we do typically share with prospective students that the first year is a time of exploration. And then the second year is really where if people are looking to switch uh, function industry or climb within their company, all these kinds of things, that's really the operational year where people are really kind of rubber meets the road, you know, maybe out there applying, starting to interview, trying to set something up right around graduation, soon thereafter, that sort of thing. Um, it's a—it's fascinating to hear about your classes journey. Um, that That's really cool.
1: Yeah, it's been very surprising and fun to watch everyone, you know, grow already and move, move, you know, up and bloom. Hmm.
0: So do you have any goals as the VP for careers, anything that you're thinking about as you think about supporting executive MBA students with that with this aspect of their, their program experience?
1: So uh, one of the things that we, we sent out a survey and one of the things that our classmates said that they really wanted was more help in networking Um, So we have actually a new position in our ESA called the VP of networking. So I'll be working with that person in addition to other ESA VPs to find ways to help our classmates network. Um, We're also working with the Career Development Center on maybe better ways to look at some of the programming and when it's placed. So for instance, we actually had a resume, it's called Resumania. But yeah, we had a resume program where it's a concerted effort to get folks to work on their resumes and update them and and get them in a smooth format. But it was done in quarter three, where people were very very busy, and we asked the career development center to consider maybe moving that to just around the first or second quarter when you have a lot of momentum coming out of PAC. So um, so they're going to do that, and I and that's. Uh, It's great that they're actually listening to us. We really find that, uh, you know, I really appreciate that. Um, It's also awesome that the career representatives are at every on-grounds, every month. So in person, we've got somebody, one or two people there to help us, you know, with any questions we have on our careers.
0: Well, we always share with prospective students that current students have a large voice in what's happening with the program. In a lot of different directions, career is a good example. Um, there's lots of chances for you to share feedback and there's student leadership roles directly focused on the career experience and career support uh, for executive MBA students. And every it seems like every class is a little bit different here um, in terms of what they'd like to see more of and you know the suggestions that they have for the career team. But this has been a big growth area for the program over the past three or four years.
1: Yeah, we appreciate it for sure.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I think... Uh, the executive MBA student population, it's interesting to talk with people about their career goals, because I think oftentimes in the admissions process, we get two things, right? Uh, Oftentimes people will have a pretty specific idea or a more specific idea of what they'd like to do and their motivations to pursue an MBA are related to that. But almost to a person, it feels like they also say, but I'm curious to explore more and see what's possible here. This is what I think I'd like to do now, but I'm intrigued by the idea of being in a program, surrounded by people who do different things than what I do. Maybe I don't know what's out there. And it feels like there is opportunity for people to kind of engage in this way. You mentioned the professional advancement course. There's also a lot of other career education and programming. There's all your classmates. There's the Darden network. I mean, the list goes on when you kind of think about this exploration.
1: Yeah, what I found is that, you know, Darden alumni also just really take it to heart that they received help from other Darden alumni and they're always willing to give help as well. So um, I find that to be uh, just an amazing part of this program that everyone just feels so much, um, I, I guess, thankful for what they received from Darden and they're really willing to give back to others who are going through it.
0: Well, Amy, are there any other things you're looking forward to in the months ahead as you think about uh, Darden and in your experience? Uh, any, any other highlights you'd like to share here on the podcast?
1: Well, hopefully I'm heading to Finland and Estonia in October for my global experience. So I'm really looking forward to that. I've never been to either one of those countries, so um, that's probably the highlight that's coming up. Um, otherwise, I think just uh, continuing to to learn and grow, and we're going to get into our electives here soon, so I'm looking forward to see what the offerings are there. Um, maybe negotiations, I'd like to do that class, and um, so there's lots to look forward to. Yeah,
0: negotiations, I fully expect it to be offered. It's typically one of those extremely popular electives with our executive MBA students. I, th- I think it's one of those Classes that feels immediately applicable to people in, in so many different directions, uh, maybe personally, uh, professionally as well. I mean, just to have that practice, to have somebody say, here's some things for you to think about as you engage in these conversations, really a powerful class. Um, and so typically we'll, we'll be fully subscribed. So I expect that one to, to, be, to be available for students. But every year th- there's new electives that pop up. One of the things that's been cool is to see some experimentation for the program side with these week-long electives. Um, so there's now some electives that run basically over a course of a week. It allows you to kind of knock out some credits, maybe when there's a little bit of a pause in the program schedule. So for example, during the weeks uh, when it's a global travel period for students who aren't traveling, um, comes an opportunity to do uh, a short short course there's also global virtual courses now. So people who want that global content but may not necessarily uh, be able to travel during that particular period, that's a—that's another course that was innovated during the, the pandemic. I'm excited about your Finland-Estonia trip. Uh, we just had some students go, Darden full-time MBA students uh, traveled there with Professor Robert Caraway, who was, I believe, your decision analysis faculty member.
1: He was, yes. So that would be a fun time with him. <laughs>
0: For sure. And they had a great time. And you know, maybe our, our colleague Lottie Carl convinced you to be a 90 day Finn and spend 90 days in Finland, which apparently you can do uh, through this like exchange program that exists. I don't know if she's talked to you about this, Amy, but she and her husband uh, spent 90 days in Finland over this past summer. And it, it sounded like an incredible experience.
1: Have you seen her video? Did you see the video? It's amazing. I love it.
0: I know it's uh, it's great. So she's out there proselytizing for, for Finland and Finland and Estonia. The students had a great time. We just had students go to Italy and Spain on Executive MBA Global Residencies. Seems like Germany is coming up pretty mm-hmm. soon for Argentina. For Argentina. So this is the part of the program that was paused for really a couple years. Um, the last trip before these. Uh, and the, the trips that occurred in the fall of 2021 was, I believe, the global residency for the Executive MBA class of 2021, way back in November of 2019. That's just hard to imagine, um, and, but it is the world that we lived in, and, you know, obviously, you don't control all the variables here, but hopefully things stay stay open, and, and y'all are able to to go on that trip, because it's it's a tremendous experience to be abroad with your classmates, and
1: I hope so I hope so but you know I have heard people talk about the virtual so they did virtual China this year instead of actually going to China and they really enjoyed that program as well so um even though you're not there in person I think they the folks who did the virtual program really got a lot out of it and learned a lot and enjoyed that part of the program too
0: well, Amy, any last tips, anything you'd like to share with our prospective student listeners as, as they continue to learn more about Dart?
1: So I did not have any previous exposure to accounting and finance, although I have a quant background in you know, my degree, but I, you know, that was a new language for me. So I did do the pre-matriculation MBA math and accounting courses, and I felt like they really helped me prepare for those core courses. I wish I had done more. So if you don't have a quant background or you have no exposure to accounting and finance, I would recommend doing those. It'll just make things a lot easier. I think even our accounting and finance pros found those classes challenging because they're they're pretty intense. So that's that's my advice to prospective students.
0: Yeah, there's no prerequisites for this program, but there's sort of a separate consideration as you gear up for the program. If these topic areas, accounting, finance, some of these classes, I think that when people look at them, they're like, oh man, okay, all right, accounting, what, what's that about? Finance, what's that about? And there's also a lot of jargon. There's a lot of language uh, that's right. And people use all kinds of abbreviations for this. And so just having some exposure during the summer can help diminish those learning curves so that when you're really busy and, and doing an executive MBA program, you, it's not the first time you've seen it. It's not the first time you've been exposed to it. And one of the things that we've always really encouraged students to think about is, you know, time will be the most precious commodity you have during the program. And so if you can extend that learning curve a little bit, start a bit before school, again, this is not required in any way. These are just Kind of optional prematriculation activities. They're not credit bearing or anything like that, but they are nevertheless a chance for you to engage with the material, and so that when you see it again in the flow of the core curriculum in Q3 or you know Q2 or whatever the case may be, um, you, it's not the first time, um, and it's a bit more like, okay, I remember this. I've seen this before.
1: Yep, definitely.
0: Well, Amy, it's such a pleasure catching up with you and, and talking with you a bit more about your, your MBA journey. The halfway point is near. It's right around the quarter. One more quarter and you'll be halfway there. Amazing.
1: I know. Are you going to join us for the Midway Point party?
0: I All right. First of all, I didn't know about the Midway Point party. You got to tell me more.
1: <laughs> so I think it's on the Friday of our June residency. So, and, and it's just a reception, I believe. And I They have awards for, you know, we've had some groups do pretty well at some of the off grounds events. And so I think they're gonna do some awards for those folks. Um, But anyway, it's a good excuse for a party.
0: I will be there. I I would love to join you. I was was with our class of 2022. Their experience, because of when they started, they started in August of, of 2020 and it was very hard to get people in in, in person in any kind of significant number, it's free vaccine. University also rightfully so had, you know, social distancing requirements, six feet in the classroom spaces, obviously mask required, all these kinds of things. And it took our classroom capacity from like 65 to 20, 25. And so for those uh, those students, you know, the the first year of their experience, there were some in-person opportunities, but it was primarily virtual. But we got to the summer, the world started to open up a little bit more with the introduction of vaccines and just where we were with the pandemic at the time. And the students were able to schedule a weekend social activity type thing in Charlottesville. And there are about 90, 95 or so students from that class there. And it was incredible. They were halfway through the program. It was June. It was really hot, uh, but it was fantastic to be there. We spent some time on the main grounds. UVA at the Colonnade Club and also sometimes some time over at Darden and uh, they seems like the students had a lot of fun exploring Charlottesville they were going out to eat and doing all kinds of things and it was it was so much fun to to have that time with them and to celebrate their halfway their moment and so I look forward to doing so with with the class of 2023.
1: It'll be great to see you there.
0: Well Amy thank you again and have have a great rest of the week.
1: Thank you Rhett you too.
0: And that was my interview with Amy Egley, a first-year student in our Executive MBA class of 2023. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at exec, that's E-X-E-C, MBA at darden.virginia.edu. Until next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.